Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you're a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills, ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation. Call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. I'm Kieran Donald. You're welcome to Business Matters. Later in the programme, we'll be talking to the owner of Comet Textile Printers in Burnfoot, Anya Moyne-Grieve, who was one of the guest speakers at the Business Cost-Saving Advice Clinic held in the Mount Ericle Hotel in Erikenny on Monday by the Donegal Local Enterprise Office. My first guest this week is the Managing Director of Silverstrand Ropeworks in Moville, Patrick McLaughlin. Patrick set up his business at the age of 17, at the same time he was setting his leaving certificate in 1990. Back in December, Silverstrand Ropeworks, which is the only producer of rope in Ireland, was announced as the overall winner at the Donegal Enterprise Awards. On Thursday, June the 1st, the initial company will be competing with the winners from the 31 local enterprise office areas around the country at the National Enterprise Awards in Dublin. Patrick, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Thank you, Kieran, and uh, you're welcome to the factory here today. Patrick, we had a tour of your uh, operation here before we started recording, and uh, you were telling me that you were a 17-year-old uh, when this business first began. That's right. I um, I was I was doing my leaving cert, and I seen an advertisement in the paper for machinery, rope machines in Dublin. We were sort of doing that already. My father's business was making twine, so we we took a run down and had a look at it, and we decided to to buy it. So I went and I rented a. Uh, premises and outside Maval and we got started so while I was doing my leaving cert I was coming home in the evening and we were putting on machinery at the same time so we had a busy time of it so, but that's really how we got started and, and we got up and running then and started started making rope here in Maval Was going into business uh, something that you had always wanted to do Paddock or was it I'll give this a go and see what happens? Uh, it's a bit of both like you know uh, I grew up with business and my father had a business and it was always around the kitchen table so uh, I always had an idea of going on for a business maybe not so soon but it just the opportunity arose so that's really how, how we got started yeah and what was your father's line of business Patrick? He, he manufactured netting for the fashion industry like you know so that's how he started uh, he was a fisherman for 20 years and he's at a position either get a bigger boat or go out of it altogether so he went on to making uh, fishing nets uh, and that's really how that started yeah uh, looking back on, on that decision as a 17 year old to set up a business uh, what's your your views and all that now ah well you know yeah when when you're when you're doing it you don't think you know you're, you're just concentrating on what you're you know to get the thing up and running like you know when you think back and realize you were only 17 um you know, you probably think you could have waited a couple of years, but you know, opportunity doesn't always wait on you. Like you know, so it's uh, it, it wasn't an issue. You know, uh, this is all. This is what we were doing. This is what we was going to do. So um, once we got going, it, it was fine. You know, mm. uh, talking about what, uh, getting going. What steps did you have to take, Patrick, initially to get things uh, up and running for yourself? Well, once we purchased the machinery, we had to set up a company. I had to go to the bank to borrow money. And then once uh, we, we had a lot to do, we had to learn how to make, um, learn how to make rope. And then we also had had to find customers. Uh, my sister, Margaret, happy sister, uh, came along and helped us in um, looking, for, looking for customers and all. She was very good at it. And uh, that's really, really how we got 
it started like you know mm. can you remember your first seal or your first account uh, I can yeah I can remember a whole lot of them <laughs> uh, the first order we got was for a couple of hundred kilos to a meat factory and it took us uh, night and day to get it made and we sent it off to them and um, my sister Margaret came in I was just off the phone to the customer and uh, they just after ordering a ton and a half and we didn't know how we were going to do it or what we are going to do but it really got us up and going but um, the first the first order uh, it was uh, it was night and day to get it going like you know but after that then um, we got into momentum and got it going you know uh, Can you talk me uh, through the different stages of how your business has evolved Patrick? Well we, we started started, as I say, in 1990, and um, then in 1991, we uh, purchased some second-hand machinery in the UK, and then at that stage, I approached um, what was the Donegal Enterprise Fund, was Leonard Doherty, and um, to say about we're looking to build a factory and buy buy a site. So we found a site on the other side of Maville in Ballin Alley, where we are now, and um, I got a small grant from the enterprise board and a soft loan at the time which was 12.5% so people are talking about high interest rates they know nothing about it but anyway that got, we got a building up and in 1992 we moved onto that and then in, uh, we bought more rope machines more modern ones 1996 we started manufacturing our own raw material the fibre for manufacturing the rope uh, in 98 we uh, extended the factory uh, again and built on um, and bought bought more machinery. Then in two thousand and one, we well, went into making plastic strapping for going around boxes and that. It kind of complemented what we were doing on the packaging side of things. And uh, we just carried on, developed, and bought more machines and bought more um, more modern plant and machinery. Then in uh, twenty seventeen, we expanded again. We put on a. A new uh, built on a new fa- part of the factory, and we put in more uh, new extrusion lines and more rope machines. And uh, again, we just carried on and you know developed it a bit. Last year, uh, 2022, we started manufacturing. Uh, I was called bale strap for going around with uh, bales cardboard. So uh, we went on to that, and we bought more rope machines. So, so we've we've a lot spent in the in the last um, last few years. You don't believe in standing still, Patrick? No, well, you, you can't stand still in business because uh, like, if we were dependent on the machines we bought in 1990, we'd be out of business. So you have to keep looking and uh, becoming more efficient and more efficient. It's a never-ending job because there's always a, an easier or a quicker or a faster or a better way of doing things. And you always have to be on top of it because if you don't, your competition will and uh, they'll, they'll overtake you. So you're always looking. Mm. You outlined uh, the stages of, of your development uh, mm. very well there, Patrick. Mm. Uh, would it be right in saying that uh, every step was measured and, and, and well thought out? Well, uh, as best we can, you know. Um, like every, everything you go to do is a risk, but uh, you, you know you try to do it a calculated risk. Like you, you, you do a lot of counting before you start spending, like you know. And uh, but you can make mistakes along the way. But so far, so good. Like you know, mm. uh, you give me a, a tour of your business here, Patrick. Can you tell our listeners uh, what's involved in the process uh, of making rope? Well, you start off with the polymer, um, and that goes into what you call an extrusion line, where it's it's melted and it's made into a sheet of plastic. At that point, then it's stretched and made made into your fibre. You then take your fibre then to your rope machines, and they 
twisted up and uh, it's a couple of processes it's twisted and then uh, it's retwisted and then it's made into a, a coil rope and that's basically it you take a coil rope you can either process it on by cutting it for people or you can put it onto smaller size coils or bigger size coils and then it's shipped out the door so it's, it's fairly straightforward like you know some of the machines are quite sophisticated but um, the actual process itself is quite straightforward and different colours and different types of rope as well? Yeah any colour, any size, um, any texture you want a soft rope or a hard rope or you want you want a different colour or you want a different length or that we, we can do like you know when you're man Manufacturing, you you have um, the control over everything. You know, if you're buying it in, you have to buy really what what the, the supplier is supplying. Whereas when you're manufacturing, you can you can do much much more than and do what the customer is looking for. If a customer wants a, a thousand meters, we can make a thousand meters. If he wants twelve hundred meters, we'll make twelve hundred meters. So it's it's not an issue. And you sell your product to uh, a variety of sectors, Patrick? Yeah, we supply into the fishing industry, the uh, the packaging industry. We sell into um, agriculture and also into the civil engineering and to the hardware industry. Yeah, that would be the main just, but we, we do a big range of um, sectors, yeah. In relation to your equipment, Patrick, how often uh, is that upgraded and how big an investment is that from your <coughs> point of view? Uh, well, it can be. At the, like When we started first, every investment was a big investment for the size of business. But as the business grows, um, you know, the, uh, in proportion to the size of business, the, the, the investments can get smaller, but you're still spending a lot of money. So we have... Um, yeah, the, we are fairly capital intensive. Like, you know, there is a lot of machinery for the size of business, but that's just the nature of business we're in, like, you know. Mm. You mentioned your father there at the outset uh, mm. and the help he was and the influence he had on you. Mm. Uh, you're one of four brothers who each have a business. Aye, that's right. Aye. Well, we grew up around the table uh, and business, so we knew all the ins and outs of it. And uh, my father and mother both encouraged us to go on and... and um, you know, if we wanted to start a business, they would help. They help you to start the business. So, so it really was a natural prog- progression. So, as I say, yeah, we have three um, other businesses, all similar, quite similar but different. You know, um, they're all manufacturing and they're all small, small factories. But um, you know, it's uh, everything from fishing nets to shoelaces. You know, so yeah. Can you talk mm-hmm. to me a bit more detail about uh, those those businesses, Patrick, and what they do? Well, Charlie. Uh, um, runs what would have been my father's business originally and they make fishing nets and they make um, twines all types of twines and they do covers and Sean he manufactures um, specialist braids and uh, ropes and then Stephen he manufactures plastic products and Nara fabrics and likes the shoelaces and that sort of thing so that's a, a general you know, just we have a lot of other bits and pieces we make but that would be the main main um, business that we're in like yeah and uh, would the four of you have reason from time to time to come together and, and work on various projects? Oh, it is. Uh, if it's beneficial to, to us all, we'd work together. Like, you know, so when it comes to, you know, um, collective bargaining with something that we're all using, we would do that. Like, or if, um, you know, if it was a particular product, one would complement the other. Um, we would, you know, we would just um, buy and sell off each other. Like, you know, so, yeah. So one one help one helps the other. Like, you know, it's a, it's a big... Um, uh, it's kind of like a support group for us, you know, so it's a, it's a big help. Mm. How, how many are employed here, Patrick, at the minute? Uh, we have 10 working here, and there's um, about 45 working between the four factories, yeah. 
Patrick, can you talk to me uh, about a typical week here in the life of your business? Oh, well, we, we'd work um, Monday to Friday. Uh, we have a couple of shifts. We do 8 to 8. We have timers coming on at, at 6 in the morning to heat, heat the extruders, so they're ready to start in the morning, so you're not wasting any time. So generally, once uh, once you get the extruders started in the morning, then you you know we start into the rope machines and the and the and the strapping and so on. And uh, I would then go and sort out orders and uh, and see the customers, like you know. So that was generally what we do, like you know. So, but it's all about the customer. The customer's number one, so you have to see to them, and once you see to them, everything else falls into place. Can you talk to me about your market and, and where you export, Patrick? Well, uh, different products go to different places. Like, you know, the, this um, strapping we started for uh, the bale strapping is we, we have that going to New Zealand and Australia and, and all over the UK. And then we manufacture electric fencing, which will go on to um, all over Northern Europe. And then the general rope that you get is all over Ireland and the UK so it's a wide uh, wide variety of places and stuff that we make like yeah Patrick you introduced me to your uh, oldest son Owen on the floor there when we were taking a walk about uh, he was his head was stuck on one of the machines so uh, he's very much uh, following in his father's footsteps oh yeah yeah he's, he's, uh, he seems to like it and uh, he's, he's from no age at all he was is and um, uh, you know working with us like you know so and um, that's what he seemed to want to do so hopefully the future's bright you know so Patrick back in December Silverstrand Ropeworks was announced as the overall winner in the Donegal Enterprise Awards and on June the first you will be competing with the winners of. 31 local enterprise office areas around the country for the National Enterprise Awards in Dublin on the 1st of June. How big an honour was it to be named uh, Donegal Award winner at the end of last year? Oh, it was amazing. Like I didn't expect it when we entered it. And especially after when I seen the calibre we were up against of businesses, like I was as uh, as honoured to win it, like you know, because uh, as I said then, like I was always I'm always amazed at what's going on around your own doorstep and the type of and calibre of businesses is, is amazing. Like so I was I was uh chuffed to, to have won it, like you know, so and uh hopefully we can bring back something from uh, Dublin now uh, next week. Yeah. <coughs> What are your thoughts uh, ahead of the national finals, Patrick? Oh well, you no, know, we'll put our best foot forward, and uh, if anything comes of it, all the better. And if not, we've we've done our best, you know. So that's all. That's all I can do. But hopefully, we'll we'll bring back something. Yeah. <coughs> Tell me, how important has the help uh, and assistance from Donegal Local Enterprise Office been to the success of your business here, Patrick? Very important from the very very start um, when we were dealing with Leonard Rorty back in 1991. Uh, I found them right up to. To uh, Michael Tooney and now uh, Brenda, uh, to be extremely helpful. When you, whenever you go to them, they're there to help. Nothing else. They're not there to put any roadblocks in your way. They're there. What can we do for you, and how can we help you? So uh, I've uh, I can't um, praise them enough uh, over the years on what uh, on the help. Not 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 just you know uh, financially, but also mentoring and their support and their advice is uh, invaluable. Like you know so. So if uh, if I was starting out again, or if uh, if anybody came to me to ask me advice, I would tell the first place to go was to as to the local enterprise board because it's all there. They all know they know what they're doing, and they're um, they're only there to help. That's all they're there to do. Like you know. Patrick, what area was the local enterprise office uh, of most help to yourself? Oh well, from the very start, um, when we approached them, like you knew right away, you're you're. 
what's the right people like but um, I suppose at the very start it's uh, the grant support you got you know to get you off the ground but also then like the mentoring and support we, we got over the years be it for we, I've done various marketing courses uh, we've done lean um, business which is very important is the only way to go at this stage now and then also uh, green and sustainability and so on so all those supports were, were very very helpful like you know mm. In relation to the pandemic, uh, Patrick, how did it affect uh, things here? Uh, the pandemic, um, it was we we closed for a few weeks, but then we were we had the opening again gradually as um, the place opened up again. But it was very very difficult because when we were we were opened up again, but all the the fishing industry was tied to the pier. The uh, the building sites were closed. The the hardware shops are closed, so m- most of our main business was was closed down. But um, but gradually it, it came back, and um, once it came back, it came back stronger than ever. Can you talk to me about what business is like uh, around Mofold the minute here, Patrick? Oh, business is quite quite vibrant. Uh, it's, it's a great place to do business in because. You know, I always say you don't have to be in O'Connell Street in Dublin to do business. And nowadays, with the high-speed broadband and so on, uh, it's it's a big, big help. And you don't have the cost structures you'd have in Dublin. You don't have the rents or or the cost land price of land. So it's it, I would imagine it's easier to sell our business here, like you know, and with good transport links and so on. It's um, you know we can send stuff out of here at three o'clock in the afternoon, and I can be in Cork at nine o'clock in the morning. So I don't see I don't see any um, negatives about it, like you know, only positives. We could do with better roads, no doubt about it. The A5, or they talk about the A5, but also maybe even a, a motorway from Monaghan to RD would help, you know. So, but um, no, in general, it's it's not a not a bad place uh, to work, and uh, yeah, you've got the the bonus of living in such a nice area as well. Just in relation to costs, Patrick, we talked off air about energy costs and you Mm. have taken steps to uh, make that uh, area of your business a wee bit easier. Yeah, we we've um, we're in the middle of installing um, solar panels at the moment, um, but yeah, the energy cost was was a big shock to us, like a, a tripled uh, uh, overnight to us. But uh, it's beginning to ease now. Not not quite as fast as it should be easing, but uh, it is beginning to ease. But hopefully now with the solar panels, and that will help as well. Yeah, and sustainability is a growing feature of your business here. Very very much so. No, you, you can't ignore sustainability. If you're if you're producing a product or you're are developing a product, sustainability is one of the number one things like uh, you need to need to bear in mind so like all our products are recyclable and we are recycling <coughs> in house we intend to do more in house uh, we've replaced a lot of older motors with more efficient motors as say we've put on the solar panels we have a uh, we have a rainwater harvesting system in, and uh, anywhere we can, anywhere we can improve um, our carbon footprint, that's what we're doing. Patrick, what is the best lesson that you've learned in business? Uh, I suppose there's loads of lessons, but uh, first thing comes to mind is, is the customer. Customer is number one. You have to make it. You have to make it a, a easy and pleasant experience for the customer to order off EP that. Uh, emails or talking to somebody and that um, I, I remember at the very very start I remember ordering fibre off a company in the UK and it was, to me it was quite a substantial order and when I gave him the order he told me oh, I can't take an order over the phone you have to send me a fax to confirm it and so on and I thought that's not really the way I would want to my customers to be to be treated so so from that day on like I always thought you know no matter how a customer gives me an order I'm going to be taking it either any which way they want to give it to me so 
that's um, that's really one of the main things. With your your customers number one, and you always should always listen to your customer because that's where you're going to get your next idea from. Uh, you know, you need to know what's happening in the market. So if somebody comes on and asks for something slightly different, uh, you need to be aware. You need to ask questions. You need to be asking why you why do you want that different? Why does that improve it? So then you can go to the next guy and say, well, this here's an improvement on what we were doing before. You know, so that that's where we we work on. You mentioned the facts, Patrick. Mm. That wasn't today or yesterday. It wasn't today or yesterday. No facts. So that, well, that was a, that was a new thing, even you know, in nineteen ninety. So, but it rapidly disappeared with with the email. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me, Patrick, is there a person and business that you admire most? Ah, uh, well, well, my father and mother, I suppose, would be number one. Uh, that's that's really where we got our grinding from. Um, other than that, maybe the likes of Michael O'Leary, um, like he gets a lot of bad press, but a man to start, you know, a, a small airline to be one of the biggest in the world, you know, he, I, all he can do is be praised, like, you know, so if I'm coming from, you know, starting out in Ireland, it, it wouldn't be counted as the number one airline industry uh, market, but, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing, like, you know, but oh, there's loads of people, anybody really that, you know, came up from the bottom and, and put the effort in, um, you know, deserves praise, like, yeah. If you had followed your childhood dream job, Patrick, what would you be doing today? I, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, um, like I always thought I've gone into business. Maybe not so soon at seventeen, but um, you know, I went into some kind of business. Like you know, so um, I didn't have time to dream about what I was going to do. You know, so it was straight straight into it when I, when I finished the leaving cert. Yeah, Patrick, when you're not uh, in charge here, how do you switch off? Oh, well, well, working, uh, if you're not working, you're um, either, I enjoy a bit of walking, we do, uh, brother has a boat, uh, we go sailing, and we do a bit of fishing on another boat, and uh, I like a bit of swimming, I wouldn't call myself a sea swimmer, but in the summertime when it's very warm, it has to be warm before we get in, but we enjoy that, I enjoy being at the beach, like, so, no, just the general outdoors, you know. Mm. And do you see Moville gearing up for a busy tour season? Ah, oh, yeah. Um, like Moville's always done well out of Northern Ireland from from Belfast to Derry, and you're seeing we're seeing more and more um, foreign tourists coming in with the Wild Atlantic Way. I think that's a, that's a great idea, and uh, there's more and more camper vans and more and more people coming. Like you know, so so as long as they they have the accommodation for it, um, I think it's the uh, future's bright for the area. You know. <coughs> And finally, Patrick, what does the future hold for yourself and your business? Just uh, we hope to do more of the same. Uh, the immediate thing is to you know settle down and uh, just uh, develop more on what we're at and develop more products and just keep doing what we're doing and hopefully move on and uh, onwards and upwards. Patrick McLaughlin, owner of Silverstrand Ropeworks in Moville. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters and best of luck in the national finals. Thanks very much and I enjoyed having you. Thank you. Join us after the break when we'll be talking to the owner of Comet Textile Printers in Burnfoot, Anya Moingreave. Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Are you a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills? ATU are offering their upcoming Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation based around action learning. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 today or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. 
You're welcome back. The owner of Comet Textile Printers in Burnfoot, Anya Moyne-Grieve, was one of the guest speakers at the Business Cost Saving Advice Clinic held in Letterkenny on Monday by the Donegal Local Enterprise Office. After working in Holland for 10 years, Anya returned to Ireland and set up her own business in 2003. During Monday's presentation, she spoke about how a green approach and the Green for Micro programme has benefited her business. Anya, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Thanks for having me. Anya, you were one of seven speakers at what was the first cost-saving advice clinic uh, held by the Donegal Local Enterprise Office in the Mount Ericale Hotel, and you talked about a green approach and how that has benefited your business. Yes, I was involved in the Green for Micro program from the Local Enterprise Office, um, and through that program we had solar panels installed on our, the roof of our business unit um, that would be going back to 2021. And how long are you in business and how did you end up setting up where you are? I set up Comet Textile Printers back in 2003, so um, I was a mere child at the time, of course. But um, we're 20 years in business now and um, we print garments for our customers, so applying logos for events, uniforms and corporate clients. And what was the... uh idea behind setting up the business. How did you get there in the first place and where did the idea come from? Well, I had left Ireland when I was 19. I went to live in Holland and I had worked for a Dutch designer called Cora Kemperman and I was really taken by the print process. Um, So when it came to returning to Ireland, my family had a history of working in the clothing industry. My parents owned Inishon Designs, which was um, a company that uh, made hand knits and machine knit sweaters. Um, so it was quite natural to go into business for myself. I really wanted to return to Donegal and I felt that the opportunity was there to um, set up my own company. And what was involved in the early stages of that, Anya? Well, I bought a, a business that was already pre-existing. So um, it came with the, the basic machinery and the components that were required for screen printing and um, quite self-taught. So back in the early noughties, um, we didn't have all the, I suppose, the design technology that's available now. Everybody now knows what a vector file is. Back in the day, people used to fax me over copies of their ad from the golden pages, and that was their design. Um, I think the world has moved on a lot, um, and obviously um, the expectations of our client base has moved on a lot as well. So um, they're expecting higher grade products and faster turnarounds and uh, it's challenging but I, I love it. Well we were talking uh, at the table in between the presentations on uh, you, you talked about not seeing uh, or talking to many of your customers. Yeah we're based in uh, quite a remote area in Donegal so most of my client base is down the west coast um some are based in Donegal, obviously, but an awful lot of them are from Sligo all the way down to Dingle. Um, some of my longest standing customers I've met once. Um, some of them I've never met. But um, with the advent of the internet back in, I suppose, in the 90s, I worked for AOL and some microsystems in Holland. So um, I was just used to that was how we did business. So when I came here, it seemed natural to just do everything through the web. And um, that, that's how we've run the business since. Any major differences between the lifestyle in Holland and the lifestyle back in Ireland? Um, yeah, I think one of the things I brought with me whenever I came back from Holland was the idea of sustainability. Um, it's 
I think because we live in the countryside, um, our environment's really important. And I think having spent 10 years in Holland where uh, reuse, recycle, repurpose are just, it's just a way of life there. Um, I really wanted that to be part of my life here as well, to make as small uh, uh, an imprint on uh, the world as I could. But on, unfortunately, I probably picked one of the uh, more difficult industries to do that in because obviously the clothing industry does have its challenges and probably the biggest shift that I've seen is from uh, the conscious consumerism that's evolved through um, COVID. People are, are, are thinking now, I want to buy once and buy well instead of cheap and cheerful. So that is great for me because that's something that I, I really wanted to bring into the business was that, you know, sell quality as opposed, as opposed to quantity. So if COVID uh, hadn't happened on you, do you believe that things would be as they were uh, four or five years ago? No, I think, I think we're living in a world where um, the, the, the green um, ethical ethically produced products are becoming more important. I think listening today to what is expected to be coming down the line as far as fines for companies who, who don't meet their targets. I think the world has definitely been pushed in that direction. I don't think that had necessarily anything to do with COVID. I think the shift that happened with COVID was that we all started looking around us at the beautiful world that we live in and thinking, I don't need all this stuff. I think people started wanting to have more experiences as opposed to more things. So the buy once, buy well. I mean, we all need a coat. We just don't need 20 of them. I think, you know, that's a shift that I've seen from from end users. As far as companies are concerned, obviously, a lot of that is led by legislation. And I think that the it was very interesting today listening to um, the speaker who, who was talking about the fines that are coming for companies who don't meet their their. Uh, carbon targets, and I think that's going to really accelerate the changes. Anya, during your presentation this morning, uh, you mentioned COVID, and, and you told the audience that uh, you used that time to push the reset button. Absolutely. I think um, I have been so busy just doing the business and uh, responding to the clients, and um, during COVID, obviously, the amount of orders coming in was reduced uh, for a period of time so we really took that as an opportunity to look at what were we buying where we were we buying it from what choices could we make and, and thankfully the our suppliers are now supplying us with so many more products that are ethically produced that are using recycled polyester which at least means that some plastic bottles are not ending up in landfill. We've seen uh, the emergence of brands like Stella and Stanley who have such a beautiful ethical backstory in their dyeing processes and the reduction of the water usage um, in those processes and how ethical they are for their staff that are working for them, the use of organic products. I think there's been such a surge in that direction that it's made it so much easier for me to have that conversation with my client base because I now have products that I can sell to them and products that are not breaking the bank. It's no longer an elitist thing to have an organic product as part of your range. It, it's expected. During your presentation, uh, Anya, you held up two T-shirts, one cotton, one polyester, and a very different story behind. Absolutely. So what I, the point I was trying to make today was um, when you look at a T-shirt, you don't necessarily know the the backstory of the product or or 
what the waste disposal of that product is going to be. So if you buy a 100% polyester t-shirt, which in some cases people do need, that product is going to lie in landfill for up to 500 years before it decomposes. That's quite a shocking situation to think about when you look at, um, for example, uh, a running event or something that maybe is ordering 200 uh, polyester t-shirts. That's 200 pieces of material that are going to take 500 years to break down. If the, the people organizing that event were to choose a cotton variation, not only would it be cheaper for them, but it would also mean that when those products do end up in landfill, it would take up to five months for them to break down. And I think it's really important that the decision makers really know what they are choosing when they choose a product. So I try to educate my customers as they're, as they're coming to me asking for advice of what they should purchase or what's available. It's really important to, to put all the facts out there for people. And do you think there is a greater awareness out there now? Without a doubt. Absolutely. I think people are, are coming not only just to discuss budgets and designs, they uh, are talking to me now about organic, ethically produced, recycled products. Can you talk to me about your product range? Okay, so we sell pretty much any garment that you could wear. We also do mugs, um, but predominantly we sell a lot of t-shirts and a lot of sweatshirts and a lot of hoodies. Um, Quite a few of our clients are in the surfing world. We do collections for a number of companies and we also do like um, school uniforms and we do uniforms for staff, for small businesses, um, pretty much anything and everything that's to do with garments and logo application. You mentioned uh, electricity and the need maybe to change uh, your energy uh, supply at your business. How have these solar panels been working out for you, Anya? Well, the solar panels are part of the package that we've implemented. So we started off, um, obviously, I bought the business 20 years ago and it came with some rather old uh, machinery. So that's all been upgraded, which in turn has reduced our need for energy or, or, or energy consumption. So we have um, a new tunnel dryer, new heat presses. Um, we have installed all the LED lighting through a company called Ledex in Letterkenny. They were fantastic to work with. We insulated the building. We added new double glazed doors. Um, this was all capital expenditure and obviously we had to do that over a number of years um, and that has reduced our, our electricity usage and then we had through the Green for Micro uh, program we were able to get the solar panels installed uh, again quite a large capital investment but based on a unit cost of 20 cent per unit of electricity um, it is estimated that we would save 20,000 euros over the lifetime of the panel so over 25 years now I think that I checked my last bill and I was paying just over 30 euro cent because we are tied in um, still on a contract but um, it's definitely worth looking at um, not just from an environmental perspective but from a cost perspective and uh, you also believe that making small changes can have huge reward? Absolutely. I think, you know, if every consumer were to choose uh, to buy once and buy well instead of buying um, maybe more disposable clothing, um, I think changing that mindset 
and um, looking at recycling your clothing, looking at secondhand shops. Um, definitely that shift in consumer consumption uh, would have a really big impact on um, our environment. What's the biggest challenge that you've faced so far in business, Anya? Um, I think probably getting the right staff has been really interesting. Um, I have a really great team working with me at the minute. I think um, being out in the countryside, we're not always accessible to everybody. Um, so I think uh, definitely getting a good team of people around you that are dependable and that enjoy doing what they do. How did you find uh, this morning's session here? I found it really informative and I'm definitely going to apply for one of the um, digital um, grants, I think. Uh, it was really great to hear from local businesses and what their experiences were with the grants. And I, I definitely think I always had a little bit of an imposter syndrome around um, the local enterprise office that I always felt like, sure, I'm only a wee small business. It's just me and a couple of part timers. And sure, I wouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be applying for those grants. And it's such a nonsense. I think if you're in business, you have every right to be here and um, to grow your business. You really do need the support of the local enterprise office because grants are available and and. We, we need to see good uptake and in particular in the Green for Micro because there are legislative changes coming down the line and every business is going to be impacted by this. So um, best to get ahead of the posse. Anya, what advice would you give your 21-year-old self? Oh my gosh, enjoy your 20s because you're going to work really hard in your 30s and your 40s. Um, I was lucky enough to spend my 20s in Holland working for multinationals and I think it was an amazing experience. I didn't think it was ever going to end, but um, in my late 20s I decided I really wanted to come home. I think I was like everybody. We all flee the nest after school thinking, oh, I'll never want to live in Donegal again. And then bit by bit it just becomes... Um, more and, and more important to be around family. So I think definitely enjoy your 20s. Have you kept your links withheld? I have, yes. Yeah, yeah. I go back regularly. And finally, Anya, what does the future hold for yourself and your business? Well, I'm very excited because I have um, a girl who's currently um, working part-time for me. She's doing her leave search. She's going to come on board as um, an apprentice screen printer. I'm really excited because she's a, a very positive person and I'd love to impart the skills that I've learned over the last 20 years to somebody else so that I can move on in the business to developing. Um, we have a, a secondary company called Comet, uh, sorry, called Earth Positive Apparel and I would really like to expand on that business uh, which is selling um, organic um, products. Anya Moyne-Grieve, owner of Comet Textile Printers Limited in Burnfoot. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Thank you so much. Well, that's our lot for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guests, Patrick McLaughlin and Anya Moyne-Grieve. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at 
www.ctu.ac.com. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you're a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills, ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation. Call 918-6206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie.